Hello, everybody! Welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. I'm your host today, I am Betsy, and with me as always is Trent. Hey, hey, hey. So Trent, today we are watching a movie that I have watched, but that you have not seen. Mm-hmm. We are watching In Bruges. In Bruges, you say? In Bruges, I say. Uh, so this is one we've talked about watching for some time. You have wanted me to watch this movie for a very long time. For a very long time. I think this came out in like 2008, so it has existed yeah. since before we got together. And there is a specific reason why we are watching this today. Why don't you explain that? So it's not exactly a sequel. It really has nothing to do with the other. But mm-hmm. the film The Banshees of Inishirin is out in theaters and will soon be widely enough released that it'll be playing near us. And it's from the same filmmaker. So the same guy wrote it yep. and directed it. And it also has the same two stars. Exactly. And that movie, Banshees of Inishirin, is gotten some Oscar buzz. You definitely want to see that movie eventually, whether it gets nominated or not. So this is kind of a primer at the very least to find out what is this guy's style? Yeah. What's he all about? Yeah. What's the sense of humor? What's yeah. the sense of drama? Now, I, th- I I went through his IMDb page, the director, the writer, and I only saw one for sure that I've seen that we both liked. It was... Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Which did get nominated, and we both really enjoyed when we watched it. Uh, He also did Seven Psychopaths, which we haven't seen, um, amongst a lot of other movies. A lot of things that people have probably heard of, but weren't exactly household, like, he is not a household. He is not a household name. No. I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Is it Martin McDonough? Is that the guy's name? I think so. Something to that effect. I know it's an, it's an M name for we're sure. We're going to look it up in the break, but not right now. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, that's why we're watching this movie today, amongst the other reason that Betsy really wants to watch it. I have been pushing to get this one on the show <laughs> and in your brain for many, many years. Yeah. So what do you know about In Bruges? Not much. So it's a bunch of Irish people. Uh, it's a comedy? Eh? (laughs) That's why I said the question mark at the end there. It's a comedy? Because you can't get people like this on screen and not have some shenanigans happen, I I would imagine. Well, especially the Irish. Like, them as a people love a funny, dark sort of story. (laughs) Sure. And I don't know what, what, like, the story is. I think it's some kind of crime drama. Crime dramedy, let's say. Crime dramedy. Where do you suppose it takes place, Trent? In a place called Bruges. Do you know what Bruges or where Bruges is? No, it's a place in the UK, I would imagine. Okay, so Bruges is in Belgium in particular. Okay, not in the UK. I have been to Bruges. Ah. This movie came out right before, like months before I was planning a trip over to Europe with my friend from college. Yes. And we were going to be in Belgium. And she heard about this movie before I did because she lives in Boston. So they get a lot of more <laughs> releases quickly before we do out here. And, and there's a bit of an Irish 
uh, population we, around Boston. We also were going to Ireland on that trip too. So that uh-huh. was just kind of a perfect thing. But uh-huh. she sent me the trailer for it and she was like, you should really watch this movie. It's really funny. And I actually did manage to watch it before we went on our trip. All right. And the whole time I was there, all I kept doing was, oh, that's from that movie. That's from that movie. That's from that movie. (laughs) So they filmed this in Bruges on location. And there's a lot of landmarks and things that they visit during the movie. It doesn't really have any other significance other than that's where it takes place. I think they give a reason as to why they go there. But yeah, after seeing this movie, my friend and I added a stop to our trip just so we could go there. And I don't really know this guy's deal. Like he apparently likes to put the names of towns and cities in his movies. On occasion. Ebbing, Missouri, Bruges, and Inishirin. I suppose. <laughs> so those are the three that come across my mind anyway. I don't know what this guy's deal is. So other than what we just said, I don't know anything else about it. Do you know who's in it? We didn't actually explicitly oh, say. Oh, okay. It's it's Colin Farrell and Brennan Gleason. Yes. Who we've had on the show a few times. Separately. Separately. But never together. Yeah. Colin Farrell has been on, I think, a couple times. Oh, yeah. Brennan Gleason pretty recently. So I know they've both been on pretty recently because yeah. we did The Lobster and we did Gangs of New York. Yeah. So that's two of them. But yes, you're right. Colin Farrell has been in a number before this. I don't know if Brendan Gleeson's been in any other ones. I think just that one for, not, but for they're, now. But they're both affable actors, very talented yeah. guys that and we we've like. we've talked about Colin Farrell's acting chops quite a few times. Uh, we also did The Recruit which is a movie that I really enjoy. I understand a lot of people don't like that movie. But yeah, I mean, I understand that this is a well-regarded movie, but before I knew you, I had no idea what the what the hell it was. Well, that's why I'm here, Trent. So we're going to go find out what it is. We're going to watch In Bruges, and we'll be right back. back all right after many many years of trying i finally (laughs) sat you down and we watched in bruges we did what are you thinking trent i know there's not a term like this but i'm just going to deem this to be guy Ritchie light guy Ritchie light okay maybe not stylistically as far as Mm -hmm. the filming goes yeah uh but this movie brought to you by the word fuck (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh so I like this one a whole lot, mostly because of the writing, because it's very clever, it's very fast, and you know me, I'm a guy who loves a good dialogue movie. You like wordy movies. Yeah, and not that I don't like any other kinds of movies, clearly I've done 170 plus episodes <laughs> of this podcast of all different genres. Varying degrees of dialogue. Exactly. So I really enjoyed this one because... It, you were able to really get to know these characters in this little moment in their lives. 
Because they're really only here for three days. Right. So we don't know what happened before or why they're here when we first are introduced to these guys. Yeah. They are told to go to Bruges, so they're in Bruges. And one of them likes it, and one of them does not. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of this buddy kind of a movie where... Odd couple. (laughs) Yeah. It's the odd couple kind of a thing. Odd couple hitmen. (laughs) (laughs) Irish odd couple in Belgium but they're Irish. (laughs) But they're also from London. It's a weird thing. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, what was your first impression when you you saw it? So I knew that it looked funny from the trailer because the way they designed the trailer, it makes it look full comedy. You know, dark comedy, clearly like action comedy kind of thing. Yeah. And it definitely is funny. Like, this movie is really funny. This movie is also really dark. (laughs) Like, this is not a movie for everybody. This is something that develops. Like, at the beginning, you even said it out loud. You were like, Ray is terrible. (laughs) He is terrible. He is awful. But here's the other thing is... The writing is good and his character has development and he's not a bad person. So you feel a lot of empathy. You looked it up before this. Colin Farrell won a Golden Globe for this. I forgot entirely that that had happened. (laughs) Yeah. But it is well deserved because he's just kind of this young and stupid piece of shit at the beginning of the movie. He's an ignorant piece of shit. Who is, is, is what who he is. is willfully ignorant. Yes. He doesn't want to be cultured. He enjoys living his little life in his little box. Yeah, he enjoys being very dismissive of anything that he finds to be stupid or, or different from different. what he knows. Yeah, so I get where they're going with his character there, but it doesn't mean I have to like him. No, and he's got Brendan Gleeson with him who's brought him into this world yeah. who is kind of his mentor and his older friend who is wiser in the ways of the world. Yeah. And they get here together and one of them wants to see and experience Bruges and the other one, you could call this movie in fucking Bruges yeah. because <laughs> the number of times that he dis- Colin Farrell dismissively refers to it as Fucking Bruges. Right. It's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he probably doesn't know anything of Bruges. But he doesn't want but to. But it's not London. It's not no. Dublin. It's not any of the places that he is used to and can appreciate from his own small mind. But yeah, even at the end, he doesn't really. <laughs> literally at the end, he says, I wonder if this is what hell is. Just never being able to leave Bruges. An eternity in Bruges. And then I really (laughs) hoped I wasn't going to (laughs) die. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason we find out that they're there is he was on a job. And they're both hitmen. They're both hitmen. And he accidentally killed a little boy in the process. Yeah. And he is completely fucked up about this. Like he is at the the beginning of the movie, he's about to have a breakdown and you don't know why. And they just keep giving you little bits more. So we find out that's what happened. That's why they're in Bruges. They're being told to sit there and wait because they don't know what to do next. And this is all still kind of new to him too. So he doesn't really know the beats of what's going to be happening after it happens. How it works. He can be told all of the things, but it doesn't mean that's how it's going to go on every single job. And we don't so you're going to go underground. You're going to go in hiding after a job, but you don't know where and you don't know how long it normally is. But in this case, they are sent to Belgium 
which I looked up where Bruges is. It is just north of Dunkirk. Uh, those of those people who know a little bit about history is where the the big rescue happened. So kind of the border between France and Belgium. Right on the border between yeah. France and Belgium. So for this kid from Dublin who also was living in London, I guess. This is a very new experience. He's young and attractive, and he wants to be able to go off and be young and attractive and do the things that you're supposed to be doing. Not you know, like hitting on Dutch PAs on a set of a, a, a set of a movie and doing drugs and hooking yeah. up with chicks and drinking yeah. beer, real beer for men. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. this is a medieval town. Like, they make comments about this yeah. place. It's the most well-preserved town in this area, I guess, after the war. Mid- yeah, it's like the 1100s, they say it dates back to. It yeah. is a very old town. And they've built up around it, but the core of the city, yeah. it's not a city. It's this old, old historic place yeah and it's very beautiful and it's very interesting and full of history but if you're not into any of that yeah then it's a shit there's nothing for you <laughs> there's nothing for you and i appreciate the the fact that they said at the end harry said you know it's really a shame that it happened to be in belgium because if it was in a, in a good in a good country or place or whatever uh, it would just be overrun with tourists and ruining the entire thing. Yeah. I wish it weren't in Belgium, but maybe it's for the best because right. you can preserve it. Right. This is also another element that I love about this. So you've got Harry, who's their boss. We don't know what his deal is, no. who he is. He's the big tough guy who is like a mobster type. He sends dudes out to kill his enemies. But he's not. But he's not. He's just this guy with kids yeah. and an anger management problem. Right. Well, he, and he well, says fuck a lot. I just feel like he's do he's he's English Betsy, of course. <laughs> a fuck is a comma to them. But yeah, he's like made out to be this guy, but in reality, he's just a guy in a suit who likens himself to be a mob boss kind of a thing. Kind of. He's a man of principles. He he establishes pretty quickly that when I say something, I mean it. And yeah. I live by a code. You got Man's got to have a code kind of a thing. Fine. But when we first are introduced, it's on the phone. So, well, actually, it's via a phone message. Yeah. And it's this paragraph where he's just like, point number one, where the fuck are you? Point number two, you better fucking be where I fucking told you, you fucking fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And how dare you make me leave this fucking message with a fucking receptionist. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love the little line at the very end. That was written in She hand-wrote her note. From the owner of the place, not the receptionist. I'm not a receptionist. I co-own this hotel with, with my, my husband. husband. Yeah. <laughs> I and like that touch. The second time we meet him, he's on the phone, and he's having a conversation with Ken, yeah. telling him, get rid of Ray. You know, it's, it's really too bad. But before we get to that... He's just like, what do you think of Bruges? And they're just having small talk about how he was there when he right. was seven. And it's this like fucking fairy tale place in his mind. Yeah, I want to go back there, but... He's waxing poetic about this magical city that he once visited. And he wanted you two to experience the beauty. <laughs> Seriously, though. It's such a weird affectation for a tough guy. <laughs> it is. And I love that conversation and like the juxtaposition of the kinds of conversations you normally have. Normally, a guy like that in that position would be having a conversation that is like five words. You got it? Got it? 
Good. Goodbye. Or he'd be threatening you. Sure. If he's using a lot of words, it's because you did something wrong and he wants you to feel Fine. tormented. Exactly. Meanwhile, he's using a lot of words to describe this wonderful place. And when right. he's told that it's not really Ray's thing, he gets very upset by this. How could you possibly not think that that place just is this magical wonderland? What do you mean it's not his fucking thing? How can it not be his fucking thing? It's out of a fucking fairy tale. <laughs> Which, okay... I want to just bring up one thing. Europeans. I know there's some Europeans listening to this podcast, and I love you. But Europe is a strange place in my mind because as the crow flies from London to Bruges is nothing in the way of distance. To get there, no. To get there. It's not a hassle. When we think about distance, for us, the next big city, if you want to call it that, is the same distance away. It is about three hours away from us. Yeah. And that's how long it would take you to get there. We'll go on a fucking weekend trip. A day trip. A, yeah, a day, a day trip. We can go out and back. We've and done that. You are a grown-ass adult who's got money. You can go to Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going through like three countries like it's nothing. Right. It's a very different me- mentality. It is. Travel. When you live in Europe. (laughs) Right. And like for us, it is like you drive for five hours. You're still in the same state. Yeah. In Europe, you drive for five hours. You've gone through six different countries. I once saw a comedian who was British. And after the show, my brothers and I went and said hello to him. And we told him we drove from Sioux Falls to Minneapolis. So we drove that distance that day just for this occasion to see him. And he said, you Americans are amazing. If I drove that far, I would either be in another country or the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just like, that's just insane to me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just this, this country bumpkin who doesn't know anything. And I'm in the middle of a country that doesn't have public transportation. Nor does it have the history of a place like Bruges. (laughs) No, there is no like... Old, like the oldest buildings in this city are from the 1880s. Yep. Because our state was founded in, eight, in 1889. Maybe the 1870s. There's just like sure. the teeniest, tiniest fragments of that time frame. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, this is where we are. We're in this little town with these two guys that don't belong there. And as the story develops, we find out that Harry is sending them there so that Ken can kill Ray. Right. And the reason why it is two weeks instead of, you know, a couple of days is so that, number one, they can get settled in, he can get comfortable, and that Ken will have the opportunity to plan this and execute it. Yep, because he's... Literally. He's got to go meet a guy and get a gun and... Meanwhile, we're finding out more about what's what happened and why they're there. And you start to feel really bad for Ray. Like, you find out that point, yeah. this was his first job. Yeah. And That's, there's a big revelation. and It's almost a throwaway line. It was a throwaway line. But like, was, they just kind of dropped it in there saying, this was my first job and this is what happened. And now I'm going to be killed because of it. And he is so torn up about it that he's just, you know, full body sobbing and suicidal. He has a real couple of acting moments here that were very impressive. 
And you get little hints of it, like he, at the beginning, almost has a breakdown. A little bit later, when he first talks about it, this is the clearly the first time he's actually like spoken about it to Ken. He says, "I did that. That's on me. Yeah. I'm gonna be dealing with that the rest of my life." He's not here, and the only thing that I could think of that would make it better is if maybe I'm not here either. Right, and he's saying it in a very like somber tone and just a, a depressive mood for, mm-hmm. f- uh, for lack of a better word. And from there you think, Oh, Oh, this is really affecting him. Yeah. This because is real. We haven't really had a lot of conversation about it so far. They hinted at it a little bit, but I don't even remember where in the movie it happened, but the flashback to the actual incident, I thought he was like still in the city. I thought he was still in Bruges, mm-hmm. but he just went to confession for some reason. No, it's the but it's no giving you the past, the yeah. one scene that happened before the movie began. Right, and yeah, it fucked him up, and I understand as that should. as it should, because this is a world where you know sometimes you watch these kinds of movies and these hitmen have no morals. They have no line in the sand. Sure. They will kill anybody at any time. They And if there's care. collateral damage, then so be it. Yeah, so be it. But everybody in this movie feels very deeply yeah. that children don't need to be involved in this. Indeed. So he has this kid get killed who just went to confession. Like this kid was like at his first confession or something. Sure. And he's in the park at one point because he manages to get a gun through some right. some kind of confluence of events. <laughs> so he ends up getting a gun and a bunch of live rounds and yeah. decides to off himself in the park. But Ken stops him. Yeah, because he's feeling so terrible about what happens, and he like goes there and watches kids and just makes him feel even worse. Well, and it, it, like he left a note in the hotel that said, "I went to the park." So that she wouldn't have to clean it up, referring right. to the house, the, the not the housekeeper, the woman who owns the hotel. Yeah. And so it's just these weird little moments where he is a human being who actually gives a shit about yeah. other human beings. Right. But there's all these conversations throughout the movie about life and purpose and death and sin and, you know, afterlife. Right. And living with your choices. And even Ken is like, no, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he thought about it for a minute, and he was like, sure. no, no. Right. <laughs> and maybe that's just how he has learned to deal with this life he's chosen. He's come to terms with the fact that he's a hitman and he's killed people. And he even says, I haven't killed that many people. And at this point, before they really establish that this is his first hit, yeah, you would assume you've got the younger guy and the mm-hmm. older guy, that they'd be at about even planes. Because usually in these kinds of movies, the young guy goes out of their way to kill as many people as possible. Right. And the old guy is going to have a lot because he's been in the business a while. Mm-hmm. But they set up pretty vaguely, but also to give you enough detail that he maybe hasn't killed as many people as you'd think. And then we find out later that Colin Farrell has killed one person intentionally right. and everything else was an accident right and it's an interesting dynamic and mm-hmm. they're they're not what you think of when you think of hitmen no just the entire movie you've got these two dudes like 
waxing and waning about life and death in the afterlife. Yeah, and, and like <laughs> I've seen plenty of movies where there are hitmen, assassins, whatever you want to call them, and they're always depicted as this these you know steely-eyed, just cold motherfuckers, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't think twice about pulling the trigger on anybody. And Ray is still very green uh, to this business. And, you know, he's still like very eager about everything. And he's, and because he's dealing with this problem, he is even more gung ho about going out and drinking and going out and, you know, hitting on the girl and doing a bunch, doing of, a bunch of drugs. And, oh, that scene, Betsy. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of scenes we need to talk about. But yeah, he, he's still dealing with it in his own way, but he's still kind of a kid. He was clearly in his 20s. 20s, 30s, yeah. Early late, 30s. I'd say late 20s. Yeah. And by then, you've barely had a life. And if this if this is the life that you have chosen to go down, you're not cut out for that dude. And he doesn't know until it happens. Yeah. And, and Ken even says... You know, you can get out of this. You don't have to, you know, make it right. Yeah. You made a mistake and you have to live with that, but you could save the next kid. Go right. do something else. That be anything scene, else. That scene where he breaks down and Ken really consoles him and say, you know what? Save the next kid. You can go off and do some good, but you got to go away. Because if you stick around, Harry's going to have your ass. He, had, he just is. And he, he's going to take one for the team. Like, he says, I'm I'm old and tired, yeah. and I did what I had to do, and I this will is deal my with choice. Harry. This is my choice to not kill you. Yeah. But I'm giving you another chance. Don't make me do this for nothing. And he calls up Harry, who shows up, and he says, I'll be waiting for you. Like, he doesn't go anywhere. He waits the half a day or whatever it takes Harry to get his stuff in order and come to Bruges and he just finds him sitting there drinking a beer. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm not running. I'm not this fighting. Is, I kind of like this place. Yeah. I might stay. Yeah. And he just tells Harry, I had to let him go. And here's why. Cause again, principles, everybody has yeah. their code and Harry's code is it's about honor and you cannot kill kids. You think you can get away with that. Yeah. I don't care what the circumstances are. Yeah. And you know, he's a family man. He has children. And he says, I'll be back for Christmas. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, when when Ken makes some crack about his kids, he's like, you fucking take that back. Don't bring my fucking kids into this. <laughs> and he has to retract his statement. <laughs> like, I did. I retracted the thing about the kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, everybody has their their version of what is and isn't okay. And when they're going to have this big gunfight, they both decide they're not going to do it in public. Let's go up to the bell tower. It'll be quiet up there. And then when he pulls out his gun, Harry points his gun at him. Ken puts it down and slides it towards him. He says, I'm not going to fight you. Yep. And I love you. He tells him he loves him. <laughs> yeah. For your principles, Which, for everything you've given me, I respect you and I love you. And all of the movies that I have seen have trained me to think that this is just a trick where he's maybe got the other gun hidden away somewhere even though we saw he put him he put it in the drawer or if it's genuine that harry doesn't give a fuck 
Yeah. That is what you expect from this scene. Yeah. And he, not, he does shoot him in the leg. But that's the thing. He just about doesn't. Like, he actually is moved by his words. Yeah. He's just like, well, why I do can't you, fucking kill you now. Why do you have to go and tell me some deep shit, some soulful crap from your heart? Yeah. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? I can't kill you now. Right. <laughs> and that's why I'm saying this is very much Guy Ritchie light because Guy Ritchie doesn't have the like heartfelt moments. There's he not doesn't as much have, depth. He doesn't have the deep and like he has he has the dark humor, but he doesn't have the deep feeling and like people crying. Colin Farrell fucking cried twice. More than twice, like four times he cries because yeah. he about has a breakdown. When, before he goes to the park to off himself, they show yeah. him in bed and he he's got tears rolling down yeah, his yeah, face. Yeah. So yeah, you don't get that in a, in a Guy Ritchie movie. And I don't know what, what I appreciate more. I love Guy Ritchie movies. There's even one that we haven't seen yet. There's a couple we haven't seen yet. I suppose, yeah. I don't consider the... What is it? That that castle movie, the medieval one. Oh, I'm not ca- counting that one either. There's like two. There's like the gentleman, and then there's Ra- a different Wrath of one. Man. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's two. <laughs> anyway, that was my point. I appreciate the fact that they, they that they let the actors actually get in and do some real acting. Definitely. Uh, so there's a lot here that we haven't really touched on. There's a kind of a lot of weird little places they visit and people they meet while they're in this community. Uh, we said there's a film crew here and on the film set, there is a dwarf. There is an American actor who happens to be a dwarf and Ray, because he's awful is like weirdly obsessed with him. (laughs) He's like a little boy. Who is like seeing things for the first time? Yeah, and he's he uses some colorful choice language. Oh boy, and has Betsy. some conversations there... that are not really appropriate with strangers. Well, and there's like a whole bunch of conversations and words and terms that nobody really should be using anymore, if at all. No, and this is in the cusp where we were moving out of that, but it also is the yeah. thing where. Maybe that was a choice just to demonstrate how awful he is. Oh, sure. I mean, like we keep on saying, he is an awful person. And he does awful things, but he's still young. He's still redeemable. Yes, he can be saved. Uh, But yeah, he he finds a film set. And it's this weird Dutch film where there's like dream sequences and crap. Yeah. And he meets a woman who is just... She's a PA. She's a PA, or at least he thinks she's a PA. And he goes and hits on her and he gets himself a date. And when they actually go on the date, he's very honest with her. And he says, I kill people for money. And she says, I sell drugs. (laughs) Which we find out both are true. Yeah, both were being very honest. They, They were joking and having this funny little repartee. But he makes a joke about killing a kid. Yeah. He makes a joke about it, and then she throws it right back at him. Yeah. And she says, oh, yeah, no, you look like you could kill people, but only kids. And right. it's that's a dark joke. This, this whole <laughs> back and forth between them is very uncomfortable. And As the viewer, certainly. Yeah. And, and for him, too, I think. Sure. And, you know, he's still kind of, like, really up in arms about what he's going through, and he's just kind of trying to get through it by doing something normal. You're living new, his life. You're in a new place. You're single. You meet a pretty girl. You're going to ask her out. If she says yes, you're going to go out. But it's a really strange circumstance that he's finding himself in. 
And then, of course, there's also the scene right after that of him punching a Canadian man. And, and his, his wife. And his girlfriend. His girlfriend. <laughs> uh, because he has to make a crack about her blowing smoke. You are in the smoking section. You shouldn't say a word about that, buddy. This is also Europe. They are a lot farther behind about the whole uh-huh. smoking thing than we are in America. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's still it's still bad as far yeah, as I Yeah, if know. you're an American tourist, shut the fuck up. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a Canadian tourist. <laughs> Either way, shut the fuck up. You're in Europe. Uh-huh. Deal with it. And, of course, we know that guy from a, f- a couple of different things. Yeah, the thing we know him from mostly is John Adams. But what else is he in true blood oh that's right yeah i forget sometimes the other thing he's in (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah and colin farrell's character is sitting there when she his date walks away and the guy at the table goes oh unbelievable or something so he can't leave it alone and he says what is it what is it say it you got something to say say it and And he has he has this crack about you know, like Vietnam and what else? He There's assumes else? they're dumb Americans. So right. he's making like John Lennon. He yeah, says something about that's John for, Lennon. That's for John Lennon. So like he is just this ignorant fucking boy. So he wants to take out whatever like slights against the rest of the world that Americans have done over the centuries. Yeah, he goes onto on, this one guy. He goes on about Vietnam a lot. <laughs> what is the deal about Vietnam? I mean, Vietnam. Fine. You know, America. That's a complex thing, but he's well, like, he's not even getting into it. He's just saying Vietnam, like one word. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And when the when he punches the Canadian man, the woman grabs a bottle and that is enough for him to punch her in the face. And he well, says, yeah. I would never punch a woman, but she came after me with a bottle. Well, we had just established the fact that, oh yeah, a bottle is a deadly weapon. You had to do, you got to do what you got to do. If somebody's coming after you with a bottle, <laughs> yeah, their bare hands out. However, that's the, that's fair game. That you, could be a deadly weapon. A 50 year old man could be no karate. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of really good writing in this movie. That's one of them. Just the like back and forth. The back and forth. The 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 like you said. The the fifty year old puff who knows lollipop karate. Lollipop man. Lollipop. Yeah. There's a lot of Britishisms in here. Like puff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a, for lack of a better word, a sissy boy. Something yeah. like that. Or a, a a gay person. It's you could it's, call. Yeah. It's an aggressive. It can be used aggressively to describe someone sure. who is gay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, there's there's a lot of like drugs. He goes to this girl's house and her boyfriend tries to rob him and she he shoots a blank into his eyeball. <laughs> yeah. And he had that coming. That guy attacked him and he, you know, got up in his business with a gun, not knowing who he was dealing with. Yeah, and we have the the interaction between Harry and the gun dealer. And for some reason, the other guy was there, Eric. I don't know why Eric was there. Why the fuck is he there other than to have the interaction between... To advance the plot later. No, (laughs) sure. But to also to have this line between them about the fact that, well, if you robbed him with no bullets in your... No real bullets in your gun. And you got too close to him. And you got too close to him. And he took your gun... 
Whose fault is that? That sounds like a you problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a great scene where Harry is just like this hard ass and he's telling him, I have no sympathy for you. You did you did that to yourself. You got shot in your eye and you want me to feel bad for you? Nah, you fucked up. Right. And like he says, Well, don't you don't you want him dead? Well, yes, but you can't be sitting here complaining about what happened to you, because he's right. I'm gonna still I'm still gonna kill him, but he's right. Uh, there's also after that incident where he shoots the guy, he's left alone in this woman's apartment and he finds her stash of drugs. So the next time we see him, he's coked out of his mind. He's like, I got five grams of drugs. Well, I had five. Now I have four because I took one. So if I have a heart attack, I have, if I, I have collapse. Four, I have four on me, but yes. I have one in me. Yes. If I collapse, just remember to tell the doctors it probably has something to do with the cocaine. <laughs> I'll say this about Colin Farrell. Him doing his real Irish accent. And doing it, especially in that scene, doing it very quickly, that guy can enunciate like a motherfucker. Because normally, I have a hard time with accents, and I could I could understand every single word coming out of his mouth. Watching something like train spotting with the Scotsman yeah. being very Scottish, surrounded by Scots, sometimes it's inte- unintelligible. Yeah. And same thing in certain movies set in Ireland, depending on which part of Ireland, they can also be to the American ear, very unintelligible. Oh, yeah. So that just goes to demonstrate, once again, he's a good actor. Because I don't think that would be a natural cadence for him. Like, if you were to have just a conversation with him, well, like, a couple co- of years. Yeah, he's coked out of his mind, so he's talking a mile a minute. And usually when you are inebriated in that way, you're going to be harder to understand. But in this case, I was impressed. By that, at, at the very least. You know, today I was scrolling through Twitter again while it lasts, and somebody made a comment about Colin Farrell, how they came into their restaurant at like three in the morning and had like a tuna melt and some French fries, and he was just the nicest guy to everybody in there, and he like waved her over to say, These fries are fucking delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just. This very down-to-earth, normal dude. Like, I just, the more I think about it, just the more I really enjoy this man. (laughs) Yeah, and like, more of the stuff that was written for him. Like, we were talking about him in the bar there where he's coked up and he waltzes over to the dwarf and his prostitute friend over on the couch making out. And he's like, just... Poking the back of his skull. The, the side of his face. <laughs> is, is poking him to get his attention because he's curious. He's a curious little boy who wants to know what's going on. He acts like a child through most of this movie. Like yeah. when he's literally having a, a tantrum, like kicking a chair because he doesn't want to be there. And he's sulking and like stomping his well, feet. Well, and, and Ken, Ken um, calls him out on that too. Like, You're acting like a five-year-old, man. I told you we were going to do what, what I want to do. You don't have to like it, but we are going to do what I'm going to do. But stop throwing a fit. <laughs> yeah, but back to the scene, he's like asking him what's going on. It's like, you're, you're a prostitute. You're, you're, uh, you're not from here. And like, you're an American. And they just keep on going back and forth. And he's just all hopped up. And he says, you two are weird. You guys are fucking weird. You two are weird. You want to do some drugs? <laughs> right, I got some drugs. And then they go up to the hotel room and the party keeps on going. 
Yeah, and there's just... You had this weird co- fucking conversation about the the upcoming war between the whites and the blacks and who's going to be on what side. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you racist dwarf? And everybody's <laughs> drinking and doing coke and taking ecstasy. And it's just like a great time. And at the time. end, Ray karate chops the racist dwarf with the nipple rings. <laughs> yeah, just the weirdest shit is happening in this movie. And it's not totally over the top. They pull back. They keep it grounded. Like, this is something that is conceivable that would happen. Yeah, there could be a movie in this town. There, there could, could be, be a Dutch movie being filmed. Yeah. And this American dwarf actor is going to be there, and he is lonely and wants to hook up with a prostitute who happens to come from Amsterdam. Because and... she thought she could get a better rate in Bruges because there's too many prostitutes in Amsterdam. That's a good business. <laughs> That's a good business decision. I, and, you're not wrong. And Ray's girlfriend hooked him up with some ketamine that is a horse tranquilizer. And it's just all very matter of fact. And it's a small town. So the fact that yes. he keeps running into these people is not unusual. Yeah. There's just seems to be one town square in the yeah. entire thing. That's exactly everybody, what it is. Everybody hangs out there. Yep. Yeah. It's not a big town. This no. is a very small tourist town. Yeah. I don't know if there's a ton of people that just live there. If they do, I don't know what they do there for work because I don't, it doesn't strike me as a town of industry. It's a tourist town. I mean, I, I think they're a little bit inland. So if anybody works, it's probably up at the port. Maybe. That's the only thing I can think well, of. Well, what do they call it? It's the like the Venice of the North because it has canals. Yeah. So you get on the boat and you look around and it's a beautiful city. If you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Which we would be. We're into history. We're into old shit. I've never been to Europe, but you have been. Yes, I have. So like, what was your experience with going to Belgium in, the, in this case? At, at least in the sightseeing so, aspect. <laughs> we went to France first. And Belgium was our second stop on the trip. And we went there uh, to Brussels in particular because my friend had, I don't know the exact relation. It was like her mom's cousin or second cousin lived in Brussels. And so we were just hanging around Belgium and we hung around there and we went up to Bruges. And yeah, we did all the sightseeing touristy things. Did you go in the bell tower? We didn't go in the bell tower. Oh. No, we saw. I saw that gazebo, though. I've been in that park. Okay. I have a picture of me standing in that gazebo. <laughs> All right. I think I've seen that now. Now that makes sense. Yeah, and I've got pictures of the canals and different things. I've got pictures of the bell tower, but no, we did not go up in the bell tower. You didn't have five euro? I probably you only had four ninety. I probably did, but we were only there for an afternoon. Like right. we it, that thing when you're young and you have the Euro Pass and you're trying to get on the train at a certain time to go back to your other location. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we covered a lot of moments here, but I know there's just a ton more that happened. Was there anything else that you particularly wanted to bring up? Because there's just some really funny yeah, moments and lines. It's the exchanges between the two guys. Like when Ken was going to go up behind him and and shoot him, but then Ray pulls out his gun and he says, no, 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 don't do it. The aftermath right after that, they go back and forth and say, you were going to kill me. Well, you were going to kill yourself. I am allowed. (laughs) And then they're comparing guns. (laughs) That's a nice gun. Where'd you get that? I got it. I got me a girl gun. (laughs) 
again, it's this like weird macho need he has. Like, I got the girl it's, gun. You know, well, it's not even a macho thing. It's just him being stupid and ignorant. Uh, another one was with with Harry at Christmas at his office, and he's like banging the the phone on the desk, and it just keeps on going and going and going. His wife runs in and says, "It's an inanimate object. You're an inanimate object." <laughs> That's the kind of arguments that me and Betsy have. <laughs> You're a blank. It doesn't matter what your the face is. is a blank. That's right. <laughs> That's our arguments, guys. It escalates very quickly, but in the same method. Yes. Uh, there's also the moment where after Ken is dead, so Ken jumps from the bell tower yes. to to get his attention and try to get to the bottom first, <laughs> which is really twisted. I mean. He should be dead. And I mean, he's mostly dead. He should be dead. And I don't know why he throws his coins off. To Again, get people maybe to back more, up. more attention. It's just to get people to back up. Because if there's shit falling from the sky, what are you going to do? You're going to back up. I suppose. That's the entire reason. I suppose. But he lands on the gun and he tells Ray to take the gun. But, but it's, it's smashed. Busted. Yep. So what does Ray do but take off back to the hotel where he knows there's another gun? Uh-huh. And when they're at the hotel, this interaction between him and Harry where Harry won't shoot the woman who runs the hotel because she's pregnant. Because, uh-huh. again, he's a man of principle. Uh-huh. She won't leave. Because it's her fucking hotel. Because it's her fucking hotel. And he, what are you going to do about it? So they decide to make a gentleman's agreement where Ray says, I am going to run back to my room, jump out the window into the canal and swim to the other side. And on the count of three, you're going to run out the front and try to catch me. And they have like a debate, like which way is the canal? Wait, who's going to say three? Am I going to say count to three? (laughs) Well, and he says, it's the canals to the right. You know, it's a big fucking canal. And Harry's response of, I just got here. Give me a break or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the conversation back and forth there was really good. Uh, there's the dude who sells the gun going on about the alcoves. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not. It's not the nooks and crannies. No, no, he's just like, the alcoves. You could do it in yeah. the alcoves. <laughs> like, Is this the word? Alcoves. Like, he learned a new word and he wants an excuse to use it. Or, I mean, he's not necessarily an English speaker all the time. He's definitely not. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's just the way he brings it up. And then he keeps bringing it and up. And then the two of them sitting out in the, in the, in the, the square having a conversation. Oh yeah, this guy, you're talking about the alcoves. Oh, was he good? Like the two of them are about to have a gunfight and they have this moment of levity where they're just like, yeah. oh, was he going on about that with you too? Right. <laughs> uh, it's a small moment, but there's at the beginning when Ken decides to go up the bell tower and Ray doesn't want to because Ray doesn't want to participate in any of this bullshit. Yep. He's down on the ground and he picks a fight with some Americans. And when Ken comes back down, he says, what was that about? And he shrugs. That shrug is a gif. Like, if you type oh, in yeah. the word shrug, that's kind of one of those meme gif things that I've seen in major it's a, circulation. It's a good shrug. He's got a great face. Colin Farrell has an expressive face. It's the eyebrows. <laughs> Anyone with big eyebrows like that usually has good face. <laughs> Speaking of facial hair, uh, I do appreciate in movies where they try to keep men's facial hair 
consistent because they get there and he has just a little bit but as time goes on he gets the 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 shadow is getting darker yeah and they didn't pack a bag they just got on the train and left yeah and one thing that i wrote down that in the trivia that i read colin farrell does not change his clothes no at all why would he he doesn't have he doesn't have luggage but ken does he bought a suit that is my assumption because they were together when everything went badly. Yeah. He's the one who drags him out of the church and says, we got to go. Yeah. I He has a small bag, but I don't think he would have had the forethought to bring a really nice suit. But if you're about to meet your maker, you might go out and buy one. He had time to do it. And he was dressed to the nines. And he had he time was. to write his last will and testament. Yeah. So he knew he was going to die. Why not go out in style? Maybe. But you're right. Ray wears the same thing the whole movie. Mm -hmm. He has nothing. He's lucky he has a toothbrush and something to put his contact lenses in. (laughs) Right. I never really thought about that. Because, yeah, he comes out of the bathroom and he has glasses on. And he and he's uh, putting he has his um, little vial with his contact solution in it. Just shaking it about. Shaking it to clean them. Yeah. Man. Shit. It's just It's small enough. To, like, just put into a pocket, I'm sure. But. It's just a little touch. And that's another yeah. thing you could get into about the character. Like, he wears contacts, but he has glasses. And it it's the only time in the movie we see this. Yeah, it humanizes him even more. Yeah. Be- and just because he's a hitman doesn't mean he doesn't do his, his normal evening routine. Well, and it also makes you think... Okay, well, maybe he's not a tough guy. He's just a dude. Yeah, he's really not. And, like, he even tried to have, like, when we got the flashback scene, he even tried to have, like, a cool line. Yeah, he, and he didn't get it. The guy who was there to kill didn't get his right. line. Well, who, who did you kill, my son? You. What? 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 Me? <laughs> Hi, I have this gun here. I'm showing it to you. I'm going to kill you now. I'm going to kill you now. This guy says Hello. And he has to shoot him like five times and he won't die. And it's awkward and bad and poorly yeah. done. By the way, there's so many people who get shot in this movie and don't die. They get shot a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, let me think. So when he shoots the priest, I think he unloads his his entire weapon. He shoots him at least five times. Yep. Harry shoots Ken at least twice. Yep. Once in the leg, and then once in the neck. Yeah, he grazes him. Oh, yeah. that was that was gnarly. Harry also shoots Ray like four or five times yep. through the chest. Yeah. And then R- Harry kills Literally himself. Literally through the chest. Yeah. Because the first time was when he was on that boat. Mm-hmm. And it went all the way through. Which, by the way, okay. All right. What is the deal in Bruges where nobody is reacting to gunshots? Yeah, that's a bad point. (laughs) I don't care if you're up in a fucking bell tower. That shit is going to resonate through the whole town. The only argument I will give you is they know there's a movie being filmed. That would be the only reason. I didn't see any guns on that set. No, but they don't know that. You don't know what movie is being filmed or what kind of film it is. It is it is to apply a little thread of thought and a little thread of logic. I'm shaking my head to this logic of yours. I okay. I will give you the guy on the boat 
when the dude yeah. on his boat gets shot, yeah. he should have reacted. Completely nonplussed. He says, oh yeah, I need to get off uh, Get off over here. Okay, or maybe, you're gonna leave all this blood on my boat. Maybe this is just a much seedier medieval town than we give it credit for. <laughs> I have no idea. There is a dirty underbelly to this fairy but tale seriously, world. seriously, there's so much, so many gunshots going off. Even the people on the set when Harry comes around and shoots him a bunch on the on the movie set, nobody there panics and runs away. They're just kind of like, oh, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, maybe they're all on ketamine. I suppose. She is selling drugs to a lot of people. That's the logic you can apply here. Okay. The entire movie set is high as hell. Yep. And yeah. Is weed legal there? I'm sure. <laughs> she wasn't selling weed, Betsy. There's none of that on that set. Okay. But, you know, maybe... You don't need to sell that if it's legal either. Fair. Uh, well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we start wrapping this one up? I have a question. All right. Do you think Ray dies? Oh, that's a good one. Because, yeah, the end of the movie is he gets shot it's and an he's having question. this monologue. He's shot a lot. He's bleeding. He's having an existential crisis because he's afraid that if he dies, he will be in Bruges forever because uh-huh. he's convinced that's what hell is. Uh-huh. And then it fades to black. <sighs> I mean, he got shot a lot of times uh-huh. through the chest, but they went through and through. So I don't know. This like, also the like center of his torso and there's... Mm-hmm. You know, There's a lot, lot of vital of... organs there. Yeah. So, I don't have an answer to that. My inclination being a rational person is he dies, but if he survived long enough to make it to the hospital, who knows? He's at least in the ambulance. He's Well, like, he's in the hospital, I think, at the end. They is that get what him. it was? Okay. There's, like, bright lights and shit. Well, there's bright lights in, a, in an uh, ambulance, too. And in the afterlife, they tell me. <laughs> On your way to the other side. I guess. A little bit of info here. Another thing I read. In the original script, he survives. Okay. So they intentionally say that. Yeah. In the original script, he he, he survives. They also mention the kid who he killed. They mention his name. Oh, he has a name. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe they took that out to make it less, like maybe less Terrible if you knew the kid's name. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my favorite fact that you read me before we started was that in this movie that is 107 minutes, there are <laughs> 1.8 fucks or variations of fuck per minute. Per minute. 1.8. That means they say fuck more than once a minute. <laughs> uh-huh. Including credits. Including credits. That's a beautiful thing. All right, well, that was in Bruges. We are going to throw it to an email now. We have one from our super fan, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. All right, this is about Hereditary, one of our Never Scream It movies. The last one, yeah. She says, Wow, this movie is nuts. You think? <laughs> I think the Demon King was biding his time in Charlie's body and needed to get a male body. So he used his demon magic to cause this accident with maybe the help of the cult. The accident as in the uh, the car accident. The car accident. Where the 
head hits the pole. That's right. Or it could be an example of destiny and the accident was inescapable. I've been thinking about this movie off and on a lot since we watched it. And it occurred to me, you know, there's a part where she is chopping off the bird's head. And I didn't really think about the relevance of that until later. Uh So there might be something to this. Like what kind of freaky little child is cutting birds' heads off? I agree with you in that the cult, as it were, was responsible for them putting the deer in the road. But I do not believe that this was a destined thing that the kid's head was going to be knocked off. But you don't think it was their doing to make it happen. I don't think that that specific sequence of events was destined to happen. I do think that they did put that deer in the road for them to have an accident. Whatever that happened to be, maybe both of them were going to die. All right. Agree to disagree. That's the beauty of movies. Sometimes they're open to interpretation. Indeed. Especially this one. Back to the email. So many parts of this movie stick with you. The acting is incredible. And then in all caps, she wrote, Tony Collette! Indeed. <laughs> that is exactly what you should take away from this movie. I have seen Midsummer a handful of times, but Hereditary only once. It is an impactful film, but difficult to get through. Both are unsettling, but I just think Midsummer is a better rewatch. Love you guys. Can't wait for next year's Never Scream It. Thank you, Stephanie. Yes, thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, we, we like we have said, don't spend a lot of time in that genre. It's no. not our favorite thing. I have been pleasantly surprised by the number of those movies that I've actually enjoyed, like, yeah. genuinely. From just, like, a movie-making standpoint. Absolutely. Like, Midsummer and Hereditary are expertly made, and it's not going for, like, the cheap scares. Like, I can see that shit coming from a, a mile away, and a lot of times when it's done poorly, I laugh at it instead of being scared by it. Right. You would rather have it kind of get under your skin and make you think about it. Like, the number of times we have talked about or thought about Midsummer yeah, since we watched just it. mentioning it in We passing. haven't watched it again. Oh, no. I, I don't know if I can, like, th- this soon. It's not the kind of thing I'm just going to wake up and go, I feel like watching Midsummer today. No, we're not going to wake up some Sunday morning and have our coffee and, like, oh, what movie should we throw on the TV? <laughs> oh, maybe we should just throw on Midsummer. That's a nice, sunny, happy movie. It starts off incredibly disturbing. Jesus. And then continues from there. Same but, thing with Hereditary. Yeah, and I agree with you. Midsummer is imminently more rewatchable even though we haven't rewatched it i would absolutely sit down and watch midsummer before i would watch red if given the choice yeah i would yeah. between the two i yep. agree i would rather not to take one. anything away from hereditary that was incredible on its own again not gonna wake up and go what do i feel like <laughs> watching this happy monday afternoon <laughs> but the, the thing with midsummer was that it was layered and it was it was presented to you in a way that you had to really think about kind of after the fact, like you had to put it all together in your head at when it was all done, reorganize everything yeah. you just saw, but like rewatching it, you're going to know what to look for. This is true. Yeah. It's a different experience. I imagine. Yeah. And one day we'll do it, but today is not that day. Uh, but if you would like to tell us your thoughts about hereditary midsummer, 
in Bruges, any Belgium. of the at Belgium, <laughs> any of the other Martin McDonough films, or just films in general. We welcome all thoughts and contributions to this wonderful world of cinema that we are finding ourselves in. You can email us just like Stephanie, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter for the time being, never seen it underscore pod. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, never seen it pod one. You can support the show by clicking the link in the podcast description where you can throw us a buck and we can keep on keeping on. Yeah. Yeah. But that's going to be it for this. We're still doing just a little of this and a little of that until we do another series whenever we feel like we it. We have no idea what we're we doing We don't next. know. Guys, we don't have a plan. You think we have a plan? <laughs> <laughs> it's very rare, I assure you. But in the meantime, this has been Never Seen It. I am Betsy. And I am Trent. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.